Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Yeah, it's good, it's good. Good to see you guys. Hey, we're in a series called Unfinished. Say unfinished. Because we are works in progress. We are unfinished as we navigate this journey with God. Unfinished, but learning and growing and changing and becoming more and more unique and beautiful and free. We're moving from faith to faith and glory to glory, and that's good, and that's okay, and that should give us some relief because we don't have to strive for perfection. We can simply embrace progression, unfinished. Say unfinished. And there are are God-given principles that actually create a momentum for change, positive change in our lives. I want to show you one today. In 2002, Elon Musk began his quest to send the first rocket to Mars, an idea that would eventually become the aerospace company SpaceX. Probably heard a lot about it in the news. But he ran into a major challenge right off the bat. After visiting a number of aerospace manufacturers around the world, Musk discovered the cost of purchasing a rocket was astronomical, about $65 million to build a rocket. So given the high price, he began to rethink the problem. He said, I tend to approach things from a physics framework. Physics physics teaches you and I to reason from first principles rather than by analogy. So he he said, okay, let's let's look at the first principles. What is a rocket made of? Aerospace-grade aluminum alloys plus some titanium, copper, and carbon fiber, he said. Then I asked, what is the value of those materials in the commodity market? turned out that the materials cost of a rocket was around 2% of the typical price. So instead of buying a finished rocket for tens of millions, Musk decided to create his own company, purchase the raw materials for cheap, and build the rockets himself, and SpaceX was born. Within a few years, SpaceX had cut the price of launching a rocket by nearly 10 times. Musk used First principle, thinking, to break the situation down to the fundamentals to create a more effective solution. Okay, there's a lot there. When God calls us to do something, first is critical. Say first. God was first. He loved us first by sending his one and only son first. Jesus was the first and is the first and the last. He was the first to rise from the dead and defeat the devil. And therefore, as his children, we reciprocate that by living our lives with God as first, right? And then it becomes this idea of, of who's going to out first who. Well, we know who wins, but it's, it's a fun game. So God gives first And then we give our first, and then God blesses us even more. That's a pretty good deal. Matthew 6, 33 says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, all the things you'll ever need in life. How about this one regarding first? Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. I love this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, 
then, say then, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, many times we tend to fall into the trap of allowing the secondary things to come first. And although they are important, if they take priority, the results will be unbalanced and unstable. You guys with me today? Reminds me of my first time in ministry. I didn't know what I was doing, but I got so busy. I was doing youth, music. I cleaned the church twice a week. Van ministry, jail ministry, Bible studies in the schools. I was even coaching. And then one day Emily said to me, I'll always remember this phrase. I don't know if you remember it, Emily, but she said, I feel like you love ministry more than me. Don't judge me. Remember that? Yeah, so do I. Well, something needed to be fixed, and fixed quick, I found out. That was the beginning of an immediate examination of the walls that protect my marriage and family. Subsequently, I've rebuilt and implemented that protection of my marriage and family throughout the years. With God's help, I've protected what is priority. That's why I will never sacrifice my marriage and family on the altar of ministry. But even more damaging, I was putting the work of ministry before Jesus. So let me say it this way. Fix the first and the best will follow. That's worth writing down. Fix the first and the best will follow. Do we have that up there at all? I'm sure if that, that, that was a point, but that's, that's all right. Fix the first and the best, there you go, and the best will follow. Thank you. Take a picture of that. I, I just, this is like the beginning of this message today, but I think everything is going to flow from this statement. Fix the first and the best will follow. This is how Jesus fixes us, by reminding us of what is most important, what needs to come first. Jesus says this to an entire church who accidentally, unintentionally let secondary things come first. Revelation 2, 2 through 5. He says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. Good job. You patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you, Jesus said. You don't love me or each other as you did first. Look. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from this place among the churches. The truth is when we lose our first love, man, we lose our shine. We become, uh, we become unattractive, right? We've all been there, right? We've all, we've all been at the place we've accidentally, unintentionally allowed secondary things, even good godly things to come first even over our relationship with Jesus. Unless I'm the only one here today. Okay. As you can see first, listen, first, say first, is really important to God. So what's first when rebuilding, restoring, or renovating an area of our lives? That's what Nehemiah had to figure out before he got started rebuilding the wall. That's, that's the book we're in. 
Nehemiah. We'll get to him in a moment. First reminds me of our first home and our first renovation. It was a test in so many ways. I don't recommend renovating your first home, working till, mid- till midnight, almost every night, alongside your beautiful wife who's about five months pregnant. Definitely a test of our marriage, there's no doubt. Thankfully, we passed, not necessarily flying colors, but we learned a lot. But before all of that renovation started, we needed one thing first. We needed the inspection. Say the inspection. The inspection. We knew for any homeowner or someone who's going to buy a home, you got to have an inspector come in. That's just the way it is. That's how it works. We needed an outside unbiased inspection of the house we were about to buy and renovate. And after the inspection, we would become aware of what needed to be repaired first. Nehemiah did that. I'm taking a trip through that book, and he had this dawning task of rebuilding and restoring the walls of Jerusalem. I want to show you a layout of the wall that, that surrounded the city and the temple that he loved so dearly. Look at, this is kind of, this is really good to look at. So this is what it was. It was, there's your temple up there, and you got all of the gates. That These are, gates are so significant. Matter of fact, we will be focusing on these gates as we continue this series. But, but you can see, if you can imagine for a moment, this place was in shambles. It didn't even look this good. I mean, you, you couldn't even get through some of these openings. They were just filled with rubble and, and just destruction from the enemy. But that's, that's what Nehemiah was looking at before he started. Nehemiah 2.13. It says, after dark, Nehemiah says, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's wall, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and the burned gates. This is so critical. To take a moment to inspect our lives, to ask God and others if needed to give an honest perspective of how things really are. I did this with my family and I was compelled. This is really good to do if you got, if you got the courage. I, I asked my family, each one of them, how I was doing as a husband, as a dad. Scary, maybe stupid. I asked Emily, how am I doing as your husband? I don't leave. How am, I, how am I doing as your dad? I told them up front that I would just receive and I would, I would not say, I'd keep quiet, take it like a man. But I needed to know. I needed, I needed an inspection. I needed to know. And fortunately, I got some decent reviews. <laughs> Phew. Can I challenge you to take a moment to inspect your life, to inspect the walls, to see if there's a part, an area that needs immediate repair? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves. Come on to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you fail the test of genuine faith. But the scripture really brings in a couple words, genuine, authentic. 
And this is the way that I always examine my life with God. Is, Is Jesus among me? Is Jesus with me? Like, am I aware of him? Am I thinking about him? Am I really truly seeking him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is is he on the forefront of my mind? That's how I gauge myself. Because it says, surely Jesus Christ is among you. See, sometimes, sometimes he's, man, he's ever present on Sunday morning. But when Monday rolls around, see you later. By the way, it's true, we, we can be so much better at examining other people's lives before we examine our own. Let's flip that. Can we flip that? Okay, back to Nehemiah. You're quiet today. You got your steel-toed boots on. Uh, back to Nehemiah. After surveying and expecting the wall, what did he do first? This is the question we have to answer today. Nehemiah 3, one, here it is. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. Say sheep gate. The sheep gate. Woo, here we go. That's where he started. And that's where we start too. The sheep gate first. This gate has many meetings, but first let me say this. It's not how you start, it's... And that's okay, and that sounds good, but I got something much better. It's not how you start. It's what he started. Come on, T.D. Jake's church. It's not how you start. It's what he started. Let me take the pressure off of you, this verse, Philippians 1, 6. And I'm sure of this, that he, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He started it, and listen, he will finish it too. Amen. Isn't that good? It's not how you start It's what he started that matters first. And Nehemiah started there as well. The sheep gate. What else? This is where all the sheep entered the city and ultimately the temple. Well, first, sheep couldn't get through on their own because sheep need a shepherd. They need a leader. Nehemiah was making a way for a shepherd to lead his sheep. He might have been thinking about this verse in Psalm 24. I love this verse, Psalm 24, 7 through 9. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Nehemiah was fixing and opening for the shepherd of all shepherds to lead his sheep through. That's what Nehemiah was doing. He didn't, maybe he didn't realize it, but he, he knew something was up. He's like, man, I got to, he goes, I got I to, we got to get this thing fixed. We got to get this wall fixed. We got to get the city working right. We got to get the temple protected, he said. 
Because he knew deep down in his gut there was a greater thing that was going to happen hundreds of years later. Sheep need a shepherd because sheep need help. I'm sure you've heard that God calls us sheep, right? Say this. Say, I'm a sheep. Say, I need a shepherd. Now say, bah. Okay, there you go. Right. Why do sheep need a shepherd? Let me give you a few reasons. Sheep must have a shepherd because they need to be shown what to do and where to go. Otherwise, they'll wander off and get lost. That's how sheep roll. Here are a few characteristics of sheep. They're timid, fearful, easily panicked, gullible. They are vulnerable to mob psychology. If one takes off out of fear, the rest follow. They have little or no means of self-defense. They can only run. They're jealous, competitive for dominance, have very little discernment in choosing food or water, and will insist on their own way, even eating poisonous plants or drinking dirty water. Or that second bowl of ice cream for me. Listen, easily flipped over on their back and unable to get back up by themselves and will die of starvation if not turned over by the shepherd. They frequently look for easy places to rest. They don't like to be sheared or cleaned. They are creatures of habit. They tend to get into ruts. Sheep are slow to learn, demanding, unpredictable, and restless. What's up, sheep? Turn to your neighbor and say, what's up, sheep? <laughs> right? <laughs> Listen, but, 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 they are dependent. They thrive with close supervision. They desperately need a shepherd. They cannot live without him. That's why we need the shepherd. And Nehemiah started there first, the sheep gate. I've noticed in this information age we live in, we want to hear the new thing before we hear the first thing. The next best thing before the foundational thing. But it's the foundational thing, the first thing that will keep you and I strong for the long haul. It's not the pretty things that last in life, by the way. Come on. Oh, if you could see me then. Beautiful, full head of flowing, bleached, blonde hair. Probably eight chiseled abs in my younger days. Now, not one. Not one. But listen, even though I don't look like that today, I feel younger and more alive on the inside than ever before because of what Jesus did for me first. Isn't that true? I walked through the sheep gate for the first time named Jesus and never looked back. The shepherd led me through. The sheep gate was first because sheep need a shepherd. And this was the gate where the sheep and lambs were brought to be offered up as sacrifices in order to cover the people's mistakes. 
It was the gate that would open the way for the final sacrifice, the Lamb of God. He would cover our mistakes, sins, transgressions, and iniquities once once and for all. Me and my had to fix that gate so that Jesus, the lamb, could come and he would provide the final sacrifice once and for all. See, if the gospel becomes old news, that's sad news. (laughs) Every time we hear the gospel, it should stir us up to God's faithfulness, his love. It should stir our spirit. Amen? The gospel, the good news. See, in the Old Testament, when someone messed up, made a mistake, sinned, they had to bring a lamb to church to be offered in order to cover that mistake. I mean, we'd have, how many people do we have here? We'd have at least that many, many, many lambs and more, some of us more, maybe me more. We'd have quite a few lambs, right? That'd be an all-day, multiple-day thing happening because we just had to make sure that our sins were atoned for by, by, by sacrificing that lamb. Here's a snapshot. Hebrews 10 and, 10 and 11 says this. Under the old covenant... The priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. That's the treadmill of performance religion. That's the picture of striving to make ourselves right with God on our own, by our own merit, out of duty, day after day, year after year, again and again, Aren't you tired? Aren't you weary? This is all revolved around that sheep gate, you guys. That's the sheep gate. But that was the old way. That was only a shadow of what was to come. Hebrews 10.1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not good things themselves, the good thing is that the sacrifices under this, that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. See, a shadow is not the real thing. Shadows can't make anyone perfect. In fact, shadows can be scary. Shadow is there to point us to the real Jesus. So I, fa- so I say this as we're finishing up. First... Go and repair the sheep gate. Just go and believe in Jesus, and you'll enter the right gate, the Lamb of God gate. And you'll hear this in Hebrews 10, 12 through 18. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all Time, then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy or unfinished. Right there. Come on. 
And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Yeah. Woo. And when sins have been forgiven, there is now no need to offer any more sacrifices. It would be a bloody place if we still had to do that. This is what the sheep gate represents. It speaks first of the Lamb of God. Nehemiah was not just rebuilding in the present, but for the future. When Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, would be given for our salvation. John 1.29, the next day, Jesus, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen, Nehemiah was going to make sure that gate, the sheep gate, would be repaired first. Amen? Come on. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. I feel like he deserves an ovation. Come on. Come on, Jesus. And I know we're in northern Michigan here and we could give him a standing ovation if we wanted to, but uh, I'm not going to force you to do that. He's the cornerstone. Come on. He's the load-bearing wall. He's the rock. He's our mighty fortress. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the great I am. That's why I'm so proud of parents bringing their children, their families into the presence of God, whether at church or at home or on the road, you are fortifying the sheep gate first. I love it when I see marriages and relationships putting Jesus first, praying together, loving each other. You are fortifying the sheep gate. It's beautiful to see generations being changed in Jesus' name right before our eyes because they are fortifying the sheep gates. So how do I start with every rebuild? What's first in every God project? What's first in restoring the relationship, the family, the city, our country? The sheep gate. The sheep gate. The Lamb of God gates. Let me say this one more time. We'll pray. Fix the first and the best will follow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, God. Jesus, 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 there's no one like you. And I realize, God, as we're even thinking about the vast expanse of what you're doing, all the things you're doing behind the scene that we can't see and you understand that we don't understand fully. But Lord, if we could understand one thing fully today, it is how important, Jesus, you are to us and how important it is 
to place you first. First, Jesus. First. Is he first in your life? Is he first in your marriage? Is he first in your family? Is he first with your money? Is he first with your stuff? Is he first? Because if you fix the first, the best will follow. Lord, I pray over every person here today, God. I thank you, God, as we, as we leave this place, we'll hear one word, or maybe a couple, Jesus first. Jesus first, Jesus first, Jesus first, Jesus first, Jesus first. God, forgive us when we walked away. Forgive us when we thought our hard work was doing the job. And, it, and even though we were working hard and persevering, God, we may have lost you. We may have forgotten you. Forgive us if we've forgotten you, Jesus. Jesus first, Jesus first, Jesus first, Jesus first. God, we love you. Be lifted high. When you're lifted high, you draw all people to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Hey, thanks for coming today. We love you guys. God bless you. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and